0: Alone, corner stone, weak, made strong in the Savior. song and that scripture that we got to read in Ephesians about that tells how we are the household of God being built up into his life and Jesus Christ is the very cornerstone of that household the foundation of all that is taking place and that's true for us here we can see it all around and real natural and sometimes Um, In in structures, but also just real natural ways and this morning we have an opportunity here from a good friend of mine Who's a part of our church our community Vance and I got to know each other probably really Significantly about a year and a half ago though. He had been coming for a while It was right when I had come on board and I was teaching a class on Philippians And Vance participated in that. That whole theme was on what God was doing in his community and uh, and what a a community that takes the gospel seriously looks like. What, What would it look like if we lived as if what we believed was really true, and it was neat for me to then watch Vance go through this progression from when he started coming here and first hearing good news and having his heart come awake again after a long period of time of being frustrated and, and jaded, and and then get involved in in different communities and aspects of the life of our church, from the prayer ministry to Bible study to um, serving in mission and and ultimately um, helping to start a house gathering with a few other friends and um, I just thought to myself, gosh, um, just recently, uh, Vance um, has moved into um, not just hearing good news and serving, but now leading. And if you remember last month, he helped organize um, the what we we're call, a little service project, what we we're calling Spruce a Room through Mile High Mis- Ministries, and. I thought it would be neat to have an update from him on that whole process, but also what he has learned from that, and it gives him a chance to share his story with us, because I feel like everyone in this room has a way of connecting to part of Lance's, uh, Vance's story. And so um, I want to invite Vance up uh, right now, and I want to pray for him, and then let him share with you what God's been doing in his life through this community, okay? So let's pray. So God, we pray now for Vance. We pray that your word would come and and be released in and through him through your spirit. Jesus Christ, made manifest, given voice, through his, Vance's own life. I pray that we would hear that word and that would sink deep and it would transform us. God, I have a feeling that you have something powerful and transformative for us through his story. So we pray that you would help him to preach right now, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: morning everybody. Thanks Andrew. First let me say what an honor it is for me to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, uh, thanks to the staff, Andrew, Peter, everyone's been so supportive through this whole project and, and through this process of, of uh, the, the idea of doing this sermon and just going up alongside Andrew and, and kind of uh, putting, putting thoughts together and really kind of making sense out of Um, community that I've experienced here at the sanctuary. (coughs) So a few weeks ago, I came up here with an idea and immediately, this was the Spruce Room idea, and immediately people were lining up to offer support. I came up the the week after and I I showed a graph of our fundraising goals. We wanted to collect $1,200 for the furnishings that would go into the room and in one collection we collected $1,181. So is God off by nineteen dollars? No, because the previous week we collected forty, so. <laughs> but I had people spontaneously walk up and give me cash and offer their help, their extra cans of paint or bed sheets and quilts, and I saw right away that our community had a harpers service. And they really, you really wanted to reach out and help. So when the day came for the painting party, we had all the help we needed, and most people wanted to do more. So we painted the walls and the ceiling and the doors and ourselves and each other. But the real work didn't involve brushes and rollers and rags. The real work was going on, the, was happening on the inside, in our hearts, as we connected with the work and with each other. So I started to see a bigger value to this project, not just for the family who would move in and live there, but for us as our hearts became open to deeper community and connection. So the project has had its bumps. It's ended up taking longer than we, than we wanted. I've learned a lot about what's needed for the project. I've, I've learned the stuff to buy, places to buy it, and the sequence of the steps. I learned a lot about what not to do. And an old habit of mine, Uh, popped up it's a I call it a lone ranger habit and tells me that I can do everything don't need any help but you know it's it's really pretty ironic because the whole the whole lesson behind this project and behind this process is the power of a community who's who's come together so you know this this sermon this message is really like it's for me as much as anyone So our community came together in all phases of this project. And what I saw as hearts were sparked and hands paint spattered inspired me to ask to speak to you this morning, to capture this moment, to share my heart and story, and to speak into the deeper work of building community. When the idea for the project first came up, I I knew that we could help a family that was in a rough spot what I didn't know is what would happen with my rough spot. Wounds that I've carried in isolation and loneliness. My story, my whole story is really too long to get into here, but for the three or four years before I found this church, I, I lived in desperate loneliness. I had left my family, my ministry, my fellowship, and my community. The wounds that I received from loved ones and from other Christians had calloused over and it became my own brand of Christian bigotry. I wouldn't dare darken a church door. I couldn't risk the judgment, condemnation, and hard as nails theology. I didn't trust community, especially Christian community. I was bitter, tough, and insensitive. I cut myself off from people, isolated, except for a few individuals on the periphery. A few kind souls tried to reach me, and some came closer than others, but I pushed them away. I couldn't risk it. I didn't feel worthy of kindness, and I was dead, and I was empty inside. I had lost my vision, my center, and my spunk. I felt homeless and I drifted aimlessly at times, living in a tent or supported by family. I had no thought for the future and no care for the present. I was lost until the day almost three years ago life washed me up on the footsteps of a purple door and God reached down a mighty hand and picked me up. It was the preaching of Peter Hyatt and the warmth and acceptance of Kathleen Kegel, the wisdom of Andrew Tybert, and the creative courage of Barry Brown that touched my heart, softened my eyes, and made me once again able to trust that God is alive and that he cares, and that by his grace I've been made acceptable in Christ, even in my deep brokenness. Three years is a lifetime. The time I've spent with this community has given me a new outlook on life. It's allowed me to experience God in a whole new way, not as the Lone Ranger, but as a part of the community. From joining the prayer team to evening classes with Andrew and finally a tremendous weekend retreat experience through Men at the Cross, I've connected to myself and to Christ through others in a way I never thought possible. So Sanctuary, as I look out at this church and when I see this community, I see a dream come true. I see friendship and love. I see rawness and authenticity. I see companionship and correction. I see teachers and learners and fellow travelers. And so Sanctuary, let me say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. When we had our painting party, we were blessed with a a fun bunch of people. I learned more about my friends in a few minutes of taping off baseboard than I did in a whole year of sitting together in church. We laughed and talked and connected. And in the middle of all that community, I started to notice something that I've seen happen before. And that is that something opens up on the inside of a person who's walking side by side with somebody else, sports teams, Combat troops, support groups. When you're on a team, you have a common purpose. Your will is the team's will. And in a good team, you build trust and bonds that can last a lifetime. But it takes faith. Faith in the team, faith in the teammates, and faith in the purpose. Sometimes that's the biggest hurdle. For me, it is. I had to have faith that Christians weren't all alike. And that Christ's love could live in a community where people are respected and differences honored. And that the love of Christ, which I've had in my heart since I was a boy, could be experienced with others. And so I take steps in faith and my community has met me halfway. I build trust with each step and with more trust I can be more open and that's the sweet spot. First I trust God with my heart and then step with faith into community, and begin to trust others, which allows me to be more open and take more steps in faith and build more trust. And with each step, I get closer and closer to God. So we painted, and taped, and scrubbed, and side by side, we built friendships and connection. And side by side, walls came down, and joy entered, and people's hearts became more open and vulnerable. Being side by side opens something up. The first community, Eve, was taken from the side of Adam, for it was not good for him to be alone. Our side is a tender area. Just ask a boxer who took a kidney shot. Put your arm around someone, and you open your side. Christ, as he hung on the cross, was pierced in his side, and out came water and blood, which is the life. In the armor of God, we have protection in our fronts, but not our sides. The breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith both go in front. Our sides remain vulnerable, protected only by fellow soldiers. We wear masks on our faces, but those who are beside us can see behind the mask. If I'm face-to-face with you, I can put on whatever image I want and hide myself. But if you come up alongside me, the mask doesn't work. So right now... I'm hiding behind the script. <laughs> but if you come up alongside me, I'm not saying it's easy. You know, I'll take one step forward and two steps back. Community can be difficult and confusing. You know, we've all been hurt, and it's scary to take a risk. Sometimes I don't know where I fit or if I fit. But God speaks to us in a way that's familiar and intimate as our very bodies. In First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We are each a part of the body of Christ, and members in particular, and we know what that means. Verse 13, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, Is it therefore not of the body? A community, side by side, joined together with a common purpose, becomes alive and vital. The life of a community flows and thrives. Each member is needed for the group to be its best and to fulfill its purpose. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? It's our differences that make the body strong. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? So if the the whole body were an eye, which is a thing, where is the hearing, which is an action? The eye is what it is. It's an eye. The hearing is what the ear does. It's an action. And I think the message is each member, who they are and what they do. Verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. God placed the members. He put you as a member right where he wanted. Who you are and what you do is needed in the body of Christ. Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ is the head of the body, and you are a member of that body. Maybe you're a nose or a kneecap. Sometimes I feel like the left pinky toe. But even that's needed. If you lost your left pinky toe, you would know it. Each member and what they do is needed for the body of Christ to thrive. You are needed. Uh, Back to 1 Corinthians 12. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The head to the feet. Christ, as the head of the body, would not say to a puny little left pinky toe, I have no need of you. So what does that say about you? How important are you? As a member of the body of Christ, Christ needs you and what you do. 1 Corinthians, uh, back to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. What you're good at, I'm not good at. And what he can do, she can't. And what you struggle with, he's good at. And how that all works out has to be God, and it is. It is the same God who works all in all. The word works in verse 6 is from the Greek word energeo, from which we get "energize." God energizes. You have a gift or a calling. God energizes that. In Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working, the energizing of his mighty power, which he worked, he energized in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. It's the same power at work in the resurrection of Christ at work in you. Your giftings, your callings, who you are and what you do is energized by God with the power of the resurrection. So do you have power? You have Christ within, and you have what it takes to use that power and to walk in the fullness of who God made you to be. First uh, Corinthians 12, 22. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And what I saw in this body, in this one project, I know was only a glimpse. I saw the excitement. I know the feelings that were stirred. This body saw a glimpse of what's possible. So sanctuary, what's possible? What can you do? When I mention service, what comes into your minds? Maybe it's formal volunteering like Sprucer Room. Maybe not. Maybe you do the work, or maybe you support the guy who does the work. There's a million ways. I'd like to invite you to pause for a moment, to consider that God is working in your heart right now with an idea. Let's take a moment. Thank you. Invite you to take a card from the chair in front of you, and write down your idea. You'll find cards in the in the seats in front of you, and they're done by our own Barry Brown. So, as a part of our banquet, uh, I invite you to bring your card downstairs to the gallery, where Barry's hatching something special to help you take another step for your idea to take flight this church body has giftings and talents given by God himself do you know who's sitting next to you do you know their giftings do they have a talent you never knew about maybe there's a connection we are one body we are connected Sanctuary, participate in the grace with which you are called. As the Lord said on the night he was betrayed, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. and in like manner he took the cup pouring out this is the new covenant in my blood this do often in remembrance of me so sanctuary I invite you to come to the table tear off a piece of the body dip it in the blood and participate in the grace with which you're called
0: amen so I hope that this morning you heard that message that Vance gave that you're necessary to all of this right and what I loved about what he had to share was the implication you know sometimes how community happens sometimes we think okay we're gonna do community now but I don't think it works that way I think what we do is we say let's go do something together and as we do it community happens God builds his church So what are we going to do sanctuary? What are we going to do together? Stuff. Doing the stuff. (laughs) I got a story about that sometime I'm going to share with you. You got cards. Fans encourage you to write down some of your ideas that were prompted. Love you to bring them downstairs. What we're going to do now is we're going to go downstairs and we're going to have a common meal together. We're going to have brunch. Sunday brunch. And you know, it's interesting. and the, Here's the reason why. is because there's something that happens when we have meals together. Some of the best conversations take place in long road trips and in meals together, right? And did you know that uh, the communion that we celebrated this morning, the early church, when they did it, they called it a love feast. And they did it in the context of a big meal. And so we're going to do that. We're going to do that, and community's going to happen. So downstairs, we, uh, our house gatherings have kind of hosted this, um, this banquet, and there's different stations with waffles and pancakes and egg dishes and meat and juice and smoothies. It's really good. And I'm telling you, you're here, and you're going to be tempted to go down those stairs, and to the right is this big room with crazy things going on, and to the left is this door to the outside, and you're going to think, oh, Freedom. But I want you to know, go right, right? There's where the life is. Stick around. And we want to meet you, and we want to know you. And if you, you know, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, there's going to be people I don't know. And, well, we're going to have name tags. And you're going to write your names on it. And even if you don't, uh, even if you see someone you think, I should know their name, and I'm embarrassed to ask, go ahead and ask because it happens to me all the time, too, right? I don't remember everyone's name, and you know what? People don't remember my name. I get confused for this guy all the time. There was one time someone congratulated me for having a baby. I'm like his better looking twin. (laughs) 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 Or I'm like the hairless version, or however you want to put it. Yeah, right, okay. We want you to go downstairs and we want you to have a meal and get to know each other. There's going to be opportunities to meet and, and see life and community happen and take shape. But here's the deal. All of this is for not, if we don't realize, that this message, this grace that we proclaim from the pulpit, it means nothing if we don't put flesh to it, if we don't live it out. One of my favorite theologians says, the, the hermeneutic of the gospel the way you understand and make sense of it, the way the world will, will hear it and make sense of it, is the community that believes it and lives by it. And so that's what we're going to do, do. We're going to have a meal together, a meal centered around love, and we're going to live it out, and we're going to make sense of the gospel together, okay? Okay. So please come downstairs. It's going to be so good. But at this time, I'm going to invite Vance up to give the benediction. And the benediction is basically, it comes from the word uh, bene, good, dictio, uh, word, so a good word, right? And he's speaking a blessing on you as we're going forth from this place. And I want Vance to do that now.
1: Thank you, Larry. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Go in peace, friends.